0: Welcome to Speed Zone, the best motorsports show on radio. I'm your host, Ben Cower, and across the next hour, we'll recap everything. Yes, everything in racing that happened in the last week. We'll discuss the latest news and cap it all off with a star-studded interview. So buckle up, rev your motor, and drop the hammer, because this is Speed Zone. And welcome everybody to tonight's episode of Speed Zone. Hope you're having a great Wednesday night. I sure am. There's a lot of racing to talk about, as there was a lot of racing this past weekend. Uh, no interview tonight, still working on those for later on in the show's schedule. But again, tonight it'll be just strictly discussion, but there's plenty on the plate tonight. Obviously, it was the first week of the NASCAR playoffs, so we'll be discussing that later on the racing roundtable with our two panelists tonight. IndyCar 2 uh, uh, one race shy of its season under but obviously already a champion crown. plenty to talk about tonight in discussion NASCAR IndyCar and more up next on Speed Zone so sit back grab a drink maybe get maybe some food and then enjoy cuz here's flag to flag Welcome to Flag to Flag, a recap of the week that was in motorsports, as Ben Cower covers everything you might have missed in this past week of racing action. All right, so we'll start out tonight with the Xfinity Series at Darlington, and it was Denny Hamlin taking the victory as a ringer. We mentioned last week, on last week's episode, that obviously Denny Hamlin doesn't race in the Xfinity Series very often, and when he tends to, he races at Darlington. So, again, Hamlin took home the victory after a uh, tough battle with Austin Hill to close out the race. It was his sixth Darlington Raceway NASCAR Xfinity Series victory, again, on Saturday afternoon. It was his 18th victory in, in the series and Toyota's 199th since entering the series in 2007. In the finishing order at the Xfinity Series race at Darlington again just one more race before the Xfinity playoffs begin at Kansas or uh, Kansas will be the season finale again we'll discuss that later but finishing order at least the top five Hamlin, Austin Hill, John Hunter Who, who you, if you're paying attention to any NASCAR programming on the television right now or in so media. Again, there's some news with John Hunter that we'll be going on about later. Cole Custer in P4 and Josh Berry rounded out the top five. Now we'll go on to the Cup Series event, also at Darlington, the Southern 500. And finally, it was Kyle Larson capturing his first Southern 500 victory and his first win ever at Darlington. A track that he has dominated at plenty of times. He's he's locked into the round of 12. Again, his first win since April. He entered the playoff opener. Again, he had a Average finish of 17.5 in his previous six races. But guess what? He weathered a transmission momentary stuck in neutral down the front straightaway and back straightaway all over the place. It was cutting in and out, but he maneuvered it. And then he scored his third victory of the season, 22nd of his career and the first at the Lady and Black. So the top 10 in the cup race, Larson. Tyler Reddick was close, but no cigar couldn't capture the win. Chris Busher in P3 continues his streak of fantastic finishes, top tens at that now I believe up to 12 in a row, may, maybe 13 12 or 13, but William Byron in P4, Ross Chastain in 5th, uh, coming back after going a lap down early, Brad Keselowski in P6, how fitting he is the number 6, Bra- uh, Bubba Wallace in 7th, Chase Elliott in P8, Ryan Blaney in ninth. and Eric Jones last year's Southern 500 winner, it rounded out the top 10 so now we'll go on to ARCA at DuCoin State Fairgrounds. Again, this race was going on while the Southern 500 was happening, so Jesse Love ended up taking the victory there. Again, his ninth win of the season in 15 races. This kid is absolutely dominant this year in ARCA competition for Venturini. Presumably will be moving up after this season to who knows where, but at least somewhere in the upper ranks. Uh, will Kimmel earned a third place finish his first race of the season after I believe he was on pole but the finishing order. In DuCoin. For the ARCA National Race wasn't east or west. It was Jesse Love in first. Brent Cruz, almost scoring his first victory, had to settle for second. Will Kimmel in third. Andres perez Lara in P4. And William Sawalich in fifth place. Now on to the Welland Modifieds in Oswego, New York this weekend. And it was Ron Silk capturing the victory. Is uh, now 10th all-time on the NASCAR Wheeland Modified Tour wins list with his 21st career victory again this past Weekend and Us We Go, but increased his advantage in the series point standings after trouble for Justin Bonsignor being collected in a late race accident in the finishing five there, at least the top five that is, in the Whelan Modifieds in Oswego. Ron Silk, the win. Austin Beers in second. Bobby Santos, the third in third. Anthony Sesley in P4. And Kyle Bonsignor, brother of Justin, in P5. Now on to IndyCar. Again in Portland for the Grand Prix of Portland. And it was Alex Pelot scoring the victory, albeit in a little controversial fashion. Maybe uh, not being penalized for blocking into turn two when obviously some um... Have argued. Uh, you can look up the the video of it, but he was blocking down into turn two. And in IndyCar, you can get penalized for blocking too aggressively. Pello arguably blocking aggressively, but the stewards did not penalize him for the move, and Pello scooted away for the victory. And also his it was the one winning the championship, clinching it. I should say just one race early. So Pello also the 2023 uh, IndyCar champion and goes out with a bang in the win in the second-to-last race. Laguna Seca still on the calendar. We'll talk about that in a moment. But below, Felix Rosenquist for McLaren on his first podium of the season, and Scott Dixon in P3. And fun fact, Rosenquist uh, just announced uh, just a day ago he'll be at Meyershank Racing next year full-time to team up with Tom Blomquist, replacing the departing Simon Paginot and semi-retiring Elio Kastroneva. So two Quists on the team, but they're not both Swedes. Uh, Felix is, and Tom is British. Now on to Formula 1 in uh, Italy, the Grand Prix of Italy, that is, in Monza. Who other but Max Verstappen scored the victory in Monza this past weekend. His 11th win straight in Formula 1. His teammate Sergio Perez for Red Bull and P2. And Carlos Sainz Jr. for Ferrari rounded out the podium. His first podium all year and Ferrari's home race. Now on to the smart mods at Carteray Speedway. It was Brandon Ward with the victory there. Ward was ahead of Ryan Newman, Caleb Hetty, Bobby Labonte, and Burt Myers last race's winner. The World of Outlaws at Skagit Speedway, uh, Skagit, excuse me, Speedway and uh, in Washington for Thursday, Friday, and Saturday and Grays Harbor Raceway on Labor Day Monday. And in race one, the top three, Sheldon Hoddenschild took victory, Brad Sweet in second, and Gio Selzy in P3. Rieko Abreu took the victory in race two on Friday night, Hoddenschild in second, Corey Day in P3. Top three of race number three, Brad Sweet took his uh, first victory again at Skagit so far this year. Uh, It was Corey Day in P2 and James McFadden in third. And then finally, the Labor Day race for the World of Outlaws at Grays Harbor Raceway it was Logan Scooter Again, scoring his first victory of the weekend, Rico in Rico Abro. That is in second, and Donnie Shots in P three. Finally, tonight we'll talk about the action uh, uh, at Ona Speedway this upcoming weekend. Again, Saturday, September 9th. Group qualifying will be at 4:30. Racing at 6:30 p.m. It'll be the Ohio Wheelman Street Stock Series visiting this weekend, and uh, talking. They they will be racing against the Ona. Guess, usual suspects, that is the veterans that is in the street stock. So again, Saturday, September 9th, again, racing will begin at 6.30. The uh, It'll be a dash and heats for the Ohio Ohio Wheelman Street Socks. Four laps and then eight laps in the heats. And then uh, going down the ladder here, the Legends Car Semi-Pro feature. That'll be 20 laps. Then the Modified feature at 25. The Late Mods going to be a 25-lap feature uh, this weekend. And then the Ohio Wheelman Street Stocks. That feature will be a Grand 50 laps. Uh, The Legends Car Pro feature will be 20 after that. The U-Cars with a 20-lap Uh, 25-lap feature, and then finally ending the night will be the Crazy Compacts with 20 laps. I'm the track announcer at Ona Speedway, so if you'd like to come out, I'd be calling the races there, and it is an absolute blast. So we're going to take a quick break, and then when we return, uh, I know we just told you what's up this week with Ona Speedway, but you know what? Saving the best, or we're saving the rest of the motorsports action happening this weekend for Up Next, and What's Up This Week, the best segment on the show. Coming up next, right here on Speed Zone. fully fit. You have to be physically fit. You also have to be mentally fit.
1: I wish that more warriors would realize how important it is that you get the psychological support that you need so that you can focus on the rest of your life.
2: I think it takes strength in order to admit that you have an issue. But it also takes intuitiveness of a friend, a leader, a supervisor to pick up on the signal that the soldier is having issues and needs to seek professional help in dealing with it. It's also important for the lowest possible levels of leadership to be very Supportive in
0: helping their members get the help that they need when I went to get help I had more help than I could have asked for from my entire command It's sometimes challenging to come to a senior staff member or senior officer in the unit with a problem There's not a commanding officer out there or a leadership staff out there that doesn't want to help so don't hesitate come ask
2: Learn more by visiting www.realwarriors.net or calling 1-866-966-1020
0: And welcome back to Speed Zone on this Wednesday evening. I'm Ben Cower, and we'll have a racing roundtable coming up next. So we'll have the panel discussing plenty of topics tonight. But time for, in my opinion, in the best segment of the show. What's up this week? Because we got plenty of action going on this week. Start starting With Thursday, the World of Outlaws back in action, this time at Silver Dollar Speedway in Chico, California, for night one of the Gold Cup Race of Champions. Again, that'll be on Thursday night. Then on Friday, it'll be ARCA at Kansas. Again, multiple series, all four, really, for NASCAR at Kansas this weekend. Again, ARCA. We'll start things off at 6 p.m. at Kansas again on Friday. And then the Truck Series, the Craftsman Truck Series, that is, later on that same evening at 9 p.m. Then it will also be the World of Outlaws uh, for Night 2 of the Gold Cup Race of Champions again at Silver Dollar Speedway. So plenty of action on Friday night. And then on Saturday, the NASCAR Xfinity Series will be competing at Kansas Speedway. And that'll be in the afternoon. Then the World of Outlaws for Night 3 of the Gold Cup Race of Champions that will conclude all three nights for the World of Outlaws third of 3 so to say. And then the Smart Modified Tour will be at Dominion Speedway in Virginia for the Old Dominion Classic. So, an action-packed Saturday full of racing and then on Sunday it will be the season finale for IndyCar as it's at the WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca or just Laguna Seca for short at 2:30 p.m. that'll be on NBC and then the NASCAR Cup Series will be facing off for race two of ten here in the NASCAR playoffs for the Cup Series again at 3 p.m. that will be on USA Network and then the Cars Tour also at tri-county speedway this weekend it's back in action after no racing this past weekend for the cars tour but again it will be at tri-county speedway on sunday so plenty of action thursday through sunday in terms of racing so a lot going on this week and weekend so we're going to take another quick break here and then when we return it will be the racing roundtable right here on speed zone
2: After the phone interview, I assumed the apartment was mine, but when I got to the place and the manager saw me, he told me it was no longer available.
1: My husband and I wanted to see all the neighborhoods with great schools, but our real estate agent only showed us the communities where she thought we would be more comfortable.
2: I was so excited to move into my new place, but now that I'm here, I found out that the landlord is charging me higher rent than my neighbors. Now that doesn't make me feel very welcome.
1: These individuals may have experienced housing discrimination. The Fair Housing Act prohibits discrimination because of race, color, national origin, religion, sex, disability, and familial status. If you've experienced discrimination, call 1-800-669-9777, or visit www.hud.gov/fairhousing. Live free from housing discrimination.
0: If you don't want to listen, get your earplugs ready, because we're about to hear some high-octane debate. It's time for the Racing Roundtable, with your host Ben Cower and multiple guest panelists. Now that that's over, who's at the table today? oh and who is at the table today but none other than sean kelly and dale garrett welcome back to the racing roundtable welcome back to speed zone it's a pleasure to have you both on the program tonight we got plenty to talk about how you both
2: thanks for always great oh wow (laughs) we're
0: we're so eager one at a time we're so eager to talk in here it's always great to be here it is all right, guys, you know, let's start out with the news that just broke not long ago as we were waiting all day for this. But John Hunter Nemechek uh, was just announced just moments ago, uh, just almost less than 20 minutes ago at this point. Again, as, as of the recording of this uh, radio show, John Hunter Nemechek mentioned him earlier, P3 in the Xfinity Series race at Darlington. He will be joining Legacy Motor Club full time in 2024 as it switches over to toyota next year noah gragson obviously no longer with the team opened up a spot full-time for next year in the 42 car to be paired with eric jones and john Nemechek getting a promotion within toyota going up to the big leagues yet again for his second stint after he was with front row motorsports a few years ago in the 38 he will be in the 42 full-time so obviously gentlemen this is a uh different change, I guess, for John Hunter He's back up in cup. Do you say this is the right move? Do you think this is a good change and a good spot for John Hunter? Dale, we'll start with you. Um,
2: I just think, you know, we know John Hunter's been wanting to get back in the cup for some time now, and he was in the 38, and he had the to, to drop back down to the lower series to arguably prove himself again, and he had the shot with KPM, and now uh, JGR in the Xfinity series, and now he's going to the 42. I just hope overall that TRD can help this team because in this car with Ty Dillon and Noah Gregson, um, it just hasn't been anywhere close to where it needs to be. So it'll be interesting. Um, he, he's uh, taking another chance on himself, so we'll see how it plays out.
1: That's the key with uh, key for me in this whole change is that legacy is going to be a Toyota team at the beginning of next year. And I believe that that can greatly improve the quality of race car that would, that we've seen from if, if this, if John Hunter Niemicek was going into the same legacy motor, uh, motorsports team that we legacy motor club L- legacy motor club the club <laughs>
0: that's their branding
1: is the club the light like, the same if john Hunter <laughs> check went into the same legacy motor club team that we saw this year then i would say it would not be the right move at all seeing as how poorly noah gregson has run this entire year in the 42 car but with toyota moving to legacy next year i I think it can be promising, especially because John Hunter Nemechek did have flashes of success in the front, motor, front row motorsports car back in 2020. He did. Now, granted, all of the top tens that he had, three of them were all on plate, plate tracks well, in Well, he had
0: Darlington, too. Had that phenomenal run in Darlington early that year. You remember that? Mm-hmm. It, it was that's everybody was clamoring for him to be in the 48 car after Jimmy you know, was hanging it up. And they were like, they need to put him in the car. That didn't happen. And but he made at, it back in a Jimmy Johnson car at that <laughs> funny coincidence. And continue. And sorry,
1: <laughs> you just kept going with the Jimmy Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> and you and looking at his results back from 2020, there's a lot more races than you'd expect where he's inside the top 20 in Charlotte and Bristol, Homestead, Pocono, etc. So if you can do that and make front row, front row Motorsports a consistent top 20 team and have a couple of top 10s in there, it can be promising that he can do the same with Legacy.
0: I think it is a great move. John Hunter is more than deserving to go up to Cup. I mean, he has more than shown his worth this year in the Xfinity series where, I mean, he took this gamble multiple years ago. This was the reason why he left Cup in the first place where he, he, I mean, he had a Cup ride. He was with Front Row, which I mean, is now a race-winning organization. I mean, it already was when he was there but this year, I mean, it went up Against the greats at Indy, and it it beat everybody. And this is a team that has improved over the last couple years to a truly competitive organization uh, for both cars. But John undertook the gamble a few years back, went all the way back down to the Truck Series, and he went to Kyle Busch Motorsports to drive the Ford truck, and you know tried to win a title there, won plenty of races, but just came up short, wasn't able to make it happen. But he did that. He had faith in himself, and he wanted to build that relationship with Toyota and then bet on himself so that he could get to the point that he finally earned today. And then all this season in Xfinity, I mean, he has been lights out uh, in Xfinity so far this year. Again, five wins so far in that 20 car. I mean, he's been so competitive all year long. I mean, easily a title favorite. I think it would be genuinely shocking if he wasn't expected to be the guy to win the title and you take the best from the lower series and you put them in the cup series and John Hunter who already has a little bit of experience up in cup I think it's by far the right move obviously it with I think it's also the right move as you mentioned both of you mentioned that with the switch over to Toyota the performance of this team should change as Toyota is a much more concentrated manufacturer in that it's not bloated I guess in the amount of teams and cars that you know Chevy has so many teams and same with Ford Toyota right now only has two with 2311 and Joe Gibbs that's only six cars that have to care about seven sometimes uh, part time at least with 2311 but you know it adding another team is great it's only two more cars it's still under 10 total cars it's not half the field but obviously it's more concentrated the performance is is better i don't think there is a non-competitive toyota really out there that is a true trd team and legacy making this switch obviously eric jones formerly with trd now he's back with toyota so i guess that makes sense and then noah gregson was struggling real bad in that 42 and was shown up This week, at least by Carson Hosevar. we'll talk about that in a little bit when we discuss Darlington, but uh, obviously this car was in need of a driver who can squeeze the most out of equipment, and John Hunter was able to do that in Cup the last time he was here. He did that with Nemco, his family team, for so many years in, in the eight truck, and squeezed race wins multiple at that out of that equipment that was nowhere with anybody else in it so john hunter is a very talented driver very deserving to be back up in the cup series this year i think it is a fantastic move a slam dunk for legacy and i hope that this ride in cup in the 42 car goes way better for john hunter than it went for noah gregson last year because noah gregson also was a very successful driver in xfinity last year again it had take it took a couple years for him to really you know get up to that amount of wins in a season where Gregson had what seven last year eight nine in the nine car still didn't win the title but easily his best year came up to fruition went up to cup didn't work out so John Hunter gets a second crack at being in the cup series I think it's a slam dunk move and I couldn't be more excited for John Hunter I think he could I think he could potentially turn that with the right combination into a a playoff car at best. I think it's a great move. I agree. All right. So we will move on to the next topic. Darlington. Darlington happened this weekend and it was the Southern 500 and also the Xfinity series uh, for the sports clip. 200, I believe. it's. But either way, uh, it was Southern 500 weekend at Darlington, and plenty, plenty of things happened in the event as Kyle Larson took home the victory and the trophy at that. So again, the opening round of the playoffs at Darlington, I pose the question to you both. Who or what impressed you or surprised you the most? We'll just single it down to one thing. Sean, we'll start with you. There's really multiple drivers that impressed me
1: throughout this race, but I guess the the one that I'll focus on the most, considering that he wrecked earlier in the race, was Bubble Wallace driving back all the way to finish seventh after wrecking early. I, I forget when exactly it was during the race, but he spun out off of turn four, and I can't remember if he hit anything either, but after that wreck, I'm, I'm surprised, uh, well, not surprised, but I was impressed by how well he drove uh came back back up to 7th and considering he won Kansas last year he he has the potential next week to get himself inside the bubble considering how well he's driven at Kansas in the past.
2: For me what was impressive to me was I looked at the leaderboard early in stage 1 and Ross Chastain was running 29th at, toward the end of it, he was, was a lap down. Yeah, he was looking horrible, and uh, looking through the race results, he came back to finish fifth, very quietly. Um, he it was I thought it was the writing was on the wall. It was like there's no way he's going to make it for the next round. But the the drive back up there certainly impressed me, and,
1: and especially after these last three weeks that he's had, where he's been basically a. a low top 20 car, seventh finishing 17th in Indy, 18th in Watkins Glen, 17th again in Daytona. Mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned last week, as you said, that you expected him to be one of the first four out, and I, 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 I agree with what what you said
0: there. The With regards to Chastain, I'll use the quote that he had on MRN after the conclusion of the race. He said, well, you know, the last two times, the last three races here, We brought the fastest car, and yet I was not able to win. Hell, I wasn't even able to get to a top 10. But this time, we brought arguably the worst car we've ever brought to Darlington, and I finished with a top five. So it all just happened to work out for Chastain. They never quit. They continued to work on the car throughout the night, didn't give up. Uh, I think you could compare and contrast that with like Martin Truex's night, where Truex was fighting an ill-handling car all night, and then... It just seemed like they were just complaining. You know, they just were not having fun and then didn't make the needed changes. And sure enough, you know, it wasn't the best night for Truex. He could afford to do that because, you know, he was the regular season champion. But I digress. I think that's the difference right there. You can see a mentality of who is able to get out of the mud in a bad situation and that one team is able to do that. It's able to persevere and it will be interesting to see if Trackhouse as a whole is able to carry on that speed as the playoffs... Continue as Suarez was also very fast at Darlington before a uh, very notable incident happened that we'll talk about after this quick break, as it's the top of the hour. We'll have a legal ID and then we'll be right back with more NASCAR and racing talk right here on Speed Zone. Award-winning coverage lives right here on WMUL-FM Huntington, WFGH-FM Fort Gay, and WTHMLP Ravenswood, West Virginia. and welcome back to speed zone again i'm your host ben cower and it's the racing roundtable segment we've been discussing current nascar and racing news tonight we're currently in the midst of discussion about the southern 500 weekend and darlington i'm here with sean kelly and dale garrett on the show tonight so we just mentioned it right before the break a little bit of a tease and it is in fact we're going to make a topic out of this Alex Bowman versus Daniel Suarez, maybe the worst block since, I don't know, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know, since it wasn't a, quite a lapaging of the field, but I mean, it was, if you didn't watch the race, Alex Bowman and Daniel Suarez, both cars running in the top 10, both drivers didn't make the playoffs so desperate for a good run both had speed and Alex Bowman into turn one at Darlington which is a very narrow lane track, drove, he blocked mirror drove Daniel Suarez about four lanes deep into the corner and then proceeded to block him all the way up the track and then they both wrecked hard into the corner, Suarez got the worst of it as Harrison Burton came barreling into the wreck and uh obviously, it was an unfortunate situation for both drivers. Harsh words were said afterwards. Daniel Suarez obviously wasn't very happy with Bowman. Bowman said uh, Travis Mack flipped him off at the airport. The 99's been blocking him all year long so he got sick and tired of it. He just decided to give him a taste of his own medicine. What are your guys' thoughts on the Bowman and Suarez incident in the Southern 500? Dale, we'll start with you.
2: I'm not sure what the 48 was doing. I mean, even, even from, you know, another fellow driver I'm by no means my cup series driver but from another driver's standpoint if you throw that block and don't do what he did you know by covering it not once but twice you're going to end up at least on the inside going into turn 1 at Darlington and he's probably going to pass you if you don't block him you'll end up on the outside which is the preferred lane at Darlington in turn 1 and if you choose to stay along his outside, he'll be forced to lift in the center of the corner or he's going to put you in the fence. I just don't see, you know, the, the reasoning behind as to why he made that move. If he did it differently, he probably would have done it differently. But it was it was a, just a bad deal all around. As far as somebody flipping you off the airport, that was later debunked, I'm pretty sure, which makes the story even funnier.
0: Yeah, Travis Mack went on Twitter afterwards and he's like, I don't know what he's talking about. Yeah. I didn't do that but (laughs) John you this whole
1: situation on both Suarez and and Bowman it's just so dumb on all levels and and the other thing about that block this isn't like it was a situation where it was the last lap and they were fighting for position this was with 50 laps to go still in the race it's not like there was a a, a battle for a a top five position or anything like that I, I don't really see a point in Bowman blocking Suarez all the way down the racetrack and, and and that hard as as he did and on Daniel Suarez's end it, it's it's like the the saying goes rule number one of racing learn how to wreck someone without wrecking yourself immediately after he excuse me hooked Bowman into the into the turn one wall Suarez immediately gets loose and slides down the middle of the racetrack and gets hit by Harrison Burton. Just the entire situation, mostly on Bowman's end for that uh, way-too-aggressive block with 50 laps to go. But on both sides,
0: it's just... uh, It boggles the mind (laughs) on all levels. It does. It was a very... You know, I I think if Bowman is correct, obviously we are... uh, we are over 30 weeks into this year. We've been racing since February, early February at that with the Clash. I mean, we've had two non-points weekends with the All-Star race and the Clash and then uh what are what week are we on? We're uh this is week this is race 27, 27. right? So, just shy of 30, but then again, these guys have been racing against each other since early February and we are in near, well we're in early September right now. I'm sure there is no way that I'm, I pray, every driver has probably had some sort of qualm or incident with each other all season long. And I'm sure Bowman was sick and tired of, you know, the 99 running them all over. I guess if that's the truth you know bowman switched up his tone a little bit in his instagram story after the race as he seemed way more apologetic than his uh, nbc interview where he was going guns a blazing on the field and the 99 because he just said hey i was getting blocked all night and i know if i let the 99 by me he was going conti- to he was going to get in front of me and then he was going to block me the rest of the night and i said you know what the heck with it i'm just going to block him and i'm not letting him get past me And he didn't, and they both ended up in the wall, so it was was a dumb move where if Bowman wasn't so fed up, I guess, with the racing quality of his competitors, at least towards the 48 all season long, I'm sure it was just a, a culmination of things. Also, the frustration of not being in the playoffs, both of them at that, and just not wanting to let a better finish slip by, and Bowman just for a moment shut the brain off and said you know what I'm just going to go into turn one about five lanes deep blocking the 99 oh wait he's on my outside I'm going to come back up I'm not even looking at the mirror I know he's the outside but I'm just you know Suarez could have backed out of it too if he didn't want to wreck but then again 48 chopped his nose and drove them both into the wall Dale Jr. in the NBC broadcast took a very uh, centrist approach to it and said well the have could have, brought, could have uh, backed out of it and the 48 could have used his mirror, so Burton, Jeff Burton, that, that is he was a lot more angry at Bowman, but there's multiple ways you can approach this and unravel it, and personally, I think Bowman shouldn't have made that block I think it, Suarez also should have maybe cut him a little bit of slack especially with that late, late in the race, the block was bad it's more on Bowman than it was Suarez, that's, that's my final take on it, so, uh, we'll head on to the next topic obviously at uh still at Darlington Harvick's worst pit stop timing of all time that was just a amalgamation of events that happened uh, as uh Kevin Harvick was tracking down Tyler Reddick who was dominating and looking to potentially take the victory and then Kevin Harvick trying to time the pit game Just right, pulled it down pit road. Tyler Reddick checked up, realizing that he missed his opportunity in his order to pit with the four. And then instead of, you know, running another lap, he just slammed on the brakes in the middle of the corner in the top lane. And then Ryan Newman in the 51 had to spin the car not to clock him. That's the second time Newman's wrecked in that corner in, I don't know, the last five years, which is odd. But you know what? It did happen again. This time Newman didn't hit anybody. (laughs) Last time he hit Clint Boyer, but uh, Newman looped it around. Reddick got back up to speed and then NASCAR threw the caution right before Kevin Harvick got to the pit line and then they decided to put four tires on the car and he got sent to the tail end of the longest line at the track that eats tires the most. So obviously it was unlucky for Kevin Harvick, but I'll pose the question to you two. Did the team? make the right move by putting four tires on the car and still making him go down pit road as obviously Rodney Childers tried to defend it but obviously did the Ford team make the right move or did it cost Kevin Harvick the race Sean I'll start with you I don't think it
1: was a great decision but the best way I can describe the entire pit stop for Kevin Harvick was just the worst case of bad luck that he could have had because the second that Harvick went down to start going down pit lane, that's when the Redick and Newman crash started happening. And granted William Byron, who was right behind Kevin Harvick, was able to turn away at the last second and turn to the right, because he was right behind, ready to go ready to go with Harvick too, but he was able to turn at the last second. I I presume that Harvick just had Tunnel vision, just towards the pit, and wasn't really looking over at turn four with with the wreck, and w- wasn't able to make the turn in time. So at that point, I mean, really, what else can you do? But it, it, it wasn't maybe not the best decision, but with all the circumstances surrounding it, it's just bad luck.
2: With such little time to figure all that out, I mean, you know, Newman spun right as you said, Ben right before Harvick crossed that line and with the spotter up in the tower on the front straightaway the crew chief's down on the box on Pear Road. Everybody's spamming the channel button when to talk and mm-hmm. to say there's an incident. And they ended up putting four tires on. So it, it's just, like Sean said, it, it's an unfortunate deal of bad luck. And, you know, Ryan Newman single handedly changed the outcome of the Southern 500 in more ways than one <laughs> by racing Tyler Reddick as hard as he possibly could. A lap down. A lap by down. The way. Yep. Being himself, just out there mm-hmm. being the hardest guy to pass. And then, you know, I'm not convinced. I have a conspiracy theory.
0: Oh, really? That I okay. will share
2: on the show. Oh, right. I'm not convinced that Tyler Reddick's move wasn't intentional.
0: Whoa. That's fair. I, You know, I've, I thought about that for a moment, too. I said, you know, he probably checked up in the middle of the corner because he realized he missed it and then tried to bring out a caution. But then again, I thought a car could have run right into the back of him and ruined his race regardless. So it's like it was an incredibly risky gamble if it was an intentional move, but I could see it. I could see it, Dale.
2: No, I was just saying he was frustrated with the 51. Oh!
0: <laughs> oh okay. I mean, he I raced gotcha. him like dog for 25 laps or something? It was a long, was a long time, time, and Newman was running the preferred line in front of the leaders. Newman hopped on the radio and he said, uh, he didn't say anything vulgar, but he said, you know, I guess Reddick's. Stubby little arms weren't long enough to get out the window to signal that he was going to pit. And then he proceeded to thank uh, the Rick Ware guys for letting him run with the leaders, albeit a lap down. So uh, it was uh, a bit of a dramatic moment in the race uh, with a uh, classic Ryan Newman quote. But, oh, it was so silly. Uh, The 45 missed his, he missed the commitment. And I think he checked up. I don't think it was on purpose. As fun as that would have been, uh, I think he checked up in shock of like, "Oh, I missed it! Oh no, what do I do?" And then all of a sudden, Newman almost clocks into the back of him, and then you know, Reddick continues on, and then obviously ended up losing the race. He finishes second to to Larson. And I think he was just putting way too much pressure on himself to try and close out the event. He saw the closer right on his back bumper, Kevin Harvick, and trying to... Harvick hungry for his first win of the year in his retirement, his swan song season, and just the most unlucky timing of a pit stop ever by Harvick. I think Rodney Childers and the crew made the right move. Uh, Is Damned if you do, damned if you don't. Where the four car, if he goes through pit road, he doesn't get fresh tires, I mean... He would have dropped all the way through the order and then had to pit again. And then he still would have been mired back in the teens. And he brings it down pit road, gets four fresh tires on it. Only problem is now he was the tail end of the longest line. And he restarted 27th. After when the caution came out, he was in second. So it was a tough pill to swallow for the veteran in Kevin Harvick. But he will have plenty more chances to win. And if he can make it to Phoenix... You know, that is his best track. So, if Kevin Harvick can make it to Phoenix and in the final four in his, again, Swan Song season, I think the four car almost won there earlier this year. I think that would be the absolute best case scenario for uh, Kevin Harvick to close out his career as a driver with a victory. So, we'll head on to the next topic. (laughs) We talked about the 42 car earlier of Legacy Motor Club, and my goodness, Carson Josevar. Another impressive performance, and it has presumably earned him two more races. He'll be in the car for Kansas and for Bristol. And Carson Hosevar had a another impressive weekend in the Cup Series. The truck driver, who is running for a Truck Series title, who is, what, 20, Dale? Yes. Yeah, he's 20 years old. Throw him into a Cup car and qualified 15th ran top 20 all night long, finishes in 17th in a car that has barely seen the inside of the top 20 outside of a play track all year long. I mean, on, on one of, if not the toughest track on the schedule, especially for young guns that come in, Hosevar was, to put it frank, impressive, and would you say that he is earning himself a cup ride for next year, or do you think that Hosevar should spend a year in the Xfinity series before you know they rush him to cup? Sean, we'll start with you on this one.
1: I don't know about cup per se, but uh, certainly a full-time Xfinity ride, at least. It, I, I mean, outside of Mike Rockenfeller, who finished 19th at Watkins Glen, there really hasn't been any any success with the 42 car this this year. And I remember last week when we mentioned Carson Josevar, I did say that at best I believed that Carson Josevar could have put it in a, a top 20 range And he did. Car and You were right. Ex- I was exactly right. Not to toot my own horn, but <laughs> yes, I do believe that. He, <laughs> I, I do believe that he at least earned himself a full-time Xfinity ride considering that when he had a little bit of a audition with Spire and back-to-back and back-to-back weeks he finished in the in the top 10 in Xfinity and with how he's run in the truck series as well and this can all things considered I certainly believe so and at best maybe a part-time ride in, in Cup and then see how that goes
2: yeah I'm with you I'm not sure about Cup either for for him this early you know, we, we've seen this time and time again. Maybe not to this extent, but it still applies. You know, William Byron took a while to develop. Do you take a chance on Carson Josevar, who is really young, and go ahead and put him in a cup car, you know, and see what, see what happens? Or do you just take the conservative approach and run a full-time Xfinity season where you know you can compete for the win much easier than you can cup? If it were me, that would, the, that would be the, the path that I would take as a safe bet. Um, so, yeah, I, I just don't know if – to. albeit it's happened twice. Lightning has struck twice for him to have impressive runs at Gateway and now at Darlington, but I just – I like the conservative approach much better.
0: I want to see how his next two races go where obviously he was thrown into the seven car earlier the season at gateway and before the brake rotor blew out i mean he was running top 20 and then ran top 20 all night in the 42 car which has been nowhere on the map this year i mean it was down at the bottom of the charter standings with both rick ware cars and live fast and it's not throwing judgment on those teams, but usually those teams are, I mean, they're the lowest funded teams in the garage, and then you have the 42 car down there with them with how bad it had been this year. Carson comes in, runs top 20 all night long, another impressive qualifying performance too, but I want to see how his next two races go. If that 42 finishes like 30th at Kansas a couple laps down, and then he goes to Bristol and has like a rough night and finishes like, you know, like 27th four laps down or something, then I think it's I think it would be completely fair to kind of hit the brakes on the hype train a little bit. And then, I mean, he has a sweet deal, obviously, with Spire right now and Xfinity. That's a tie-in with Junior Motorsports. They prep those cars. Uh, presumably he would have a full-time ride in a, whether it's through Spire or Junior Motorsports itself next year, in Xfinity if he wanted to. Uh, He's made it clear that it's his final season with Nice in the Truck Series, so regardless, he's moving up somewhere. The hot rumor in the garage is that he could potentially be in the Spire 77 car uh, next year, albeit that would be with an improved motor package as it's been a little down this year with Ty Dillon in the car, so I mean, it would be improved equipment, but then again i don't think anybody's expecting Josevar to go out and have a rookie of the year season in the 77s car which is usually near the bottom of the running order at least uh in the cup series so i want to see how he does in the next two races if he continues to go out and push this car to impressive runs i could see a team whether it's i don't know who it would be probably someone other than spire i'm sure chevy would be like holy crap we got a one heck of a talent on our hands more than we already thought and someone would throw him into a, a cup, full-time cup ride Joey Logano style you know logano was in it when he was like what 18 19 19 yeah he was one of the youngest
1: the youngest to start that, that early, I'm pretty sure, too.
2: He's Did, youngest to win, too, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Didn't,
0: that,
1: that's what I was thinking of. Yeah.
0: Didn't necessarily work out at Gibbs, but then again, I mean, Logano has blossomed blossomed into a Hall of Fame driver. And I have no doubt that Josevar could probably end up doing the same with the amount of talent that he has. But I think it's a matter of finding the right development situation for him and i want to see how these next two starts go maybe he runs the rest of the season in the car maybe they throw john hunter in the car even though he's running for a a title with toyota in the xfinity series and that car is still a chevy and cup so might be a little bit of a confliction there uh, but i think it would be interesting to see Hosevar in that car at least the next two races and then if he continues running well put him in the car the rest of the season and i think If he shows he is worthy i mean so far he's been impressive and he's already put himself on the map of more than just one team more than just spire so we'll head on to the next topic we will talk about darts at a dartboard we're going to throw darts at a dartboard here gentlemen who is going to be racing a colleague racing in cup in 2024 is currently right now it's completely undecided Justin Haley's gone. He's going to Rick Ware full-time in a multi-year deal. AJ Allmendinger still on the fence, almost teasing the media where the heck he's going to be next year. It'll be at Colleg, but whether it's Cup or Xfinity, I don't know, but it's been pretty uh, noticeable that AJ's not exactly having the best of times in Cup this year, even though he's run fairly well. So 16 in the 31 car open, at least heading into next season. There have been plenty of candidates who have presumably been in the car, and then now are not going to be in the car, and it is still wide open. So for both cars, who do you see in each? Dale, we'll start with you.
2: I think the big question here is, how much does colleague want to pay you know, to fund his own car? Because I've got a few names here, and I'm not for certain on their contract statuses, but uh, the obvious one is Noah Gregson with a huge question mark. You know, we, we have no idea where he's going to be. He, he will definitely not bring any funding after everything that has happened. Hemrick, uh, I'm not sure of his contract situation either, but, you know, he can make his return to cup. You said we're just throwing darts at a dartboard. So uh, Sam Mayer, like, <laughs> you oh know. Oh, boy. I, I, don't, I don't know.
0: Um, I don't know the maturity is there yet after what happened in the Xfinity race. That's why I said it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sean, who do you think? Uh, one of the names that I
1: thought of immediately was Zane Smith considering how how well he's run in, in trucks the past couple of years. He he ran in 13th at Daytona and 10th at Charlotte for Front Row and uh, talented had, talented certainly and colleague is uh, chevy team and he he already ran with chevrolet in uh, when he started with uh, the junior motorsports development racing team and that with that he ran seven out of ten uh ten races and top 10 finishes or better so talented driver and he started out with chevrolet in the beginning of his career so i'm going to go with zane smith for at least one of the cars and the other Maybe Noah Gregson, considering... That is a good... That is a fair choice. He's certainly <laughs> going to want to get out of Legacy Motor Club after... Well, he'll year. be gone. He's, well, it's he like, is he going is to be gone, gone, yeah, he, is gone. Uh, he is gone. He is going to be gone. Needs a new home. Exactly. So, I'm going to go with Gregson for the other car.
0: Just the funding question with that, you know... I think, well, Gregson has a little bit of money behind him. It's like, I don't know... I, He's already run with Colleg before in Cup. I think it would be a fitting landing spot for him. Although my dark horse pick, and I don't I don't know anything when I say this, but I'm just I'm just saying Matt De Benedetto left Rackley WAR in the truck series and he got that ride after free falling because he didn't bring any money and was lucky to even get that truck ride to stay in the sport made the most of it won a race at talladega last year in the truck series and then made the playoffs this year with the same team and then announced very suddenly last week that he was going to be leaving the team at the end of the year taking another chance on himself he's done this before in his career i mean it's worked out a couple times but I don't think he would be jumping ship from a guaranteed ride where he didn't need to bring money unless he was being offered some other deal. And colleague has been digging deep for drivers this offseason. Uh, a name I heard thrown around just a few weeks ago was Parker Kligerman, and then Kligerman announced he was going to stay with the 48 team in the uh, with Big Machine Racing in the Xfinity Series. So Kligerman now off the table. Uh, Austin Hill's name was thrown around, and now he's staying in Xfinity with RCR. You know, I could see them going after De Benedetto, who has had success in Cup before. He's made the he was a playoff driver just a few years ago. I mean, it's not like I don't I don't think that itch is has gone away. It's just that he doesn't bring money, and I I could see him being in the 31 car because he wouldn't need to bring money to be in that ride. And on the other side, I don't know. I could see Sheldon Creed making a run for the 16 because he's already he's running the Cup Series race. Kansas this weekend albeit with live fast in the 78 but he has the money he, he has the money he comes from a lot of money in Southern California uh, his grandfather Maurice Ortega owns a gigantic uh, construction company out, out in the S- Southern California they have a lot of money and Sheldon does not have to worry about funding I certainly believe that if he wanted to be in cup next year he certainly could uh, he shored up his performance a bit in Xfinity this year. I mean, it's looking like he's going to make the playoffs. He's still not able to get that win. Just, again, eternal bridesmaid, but I could see Sheldon Creed making a push for that 16 if especially if RCR shuffles its driver lineup around in the off-season because there's going to be some jumbling there no matter what on the RCR side because it ke- likes to keep its options open and when things aren't working and its drivers aren't winning unless you're Austin Dillon, you know they will send you packing. So uh, I could see Sheldon Creed making a push for the 16, and I could see Matt De Benedetto in the 31, and that would be one interesting lineup for next year. So on to the next topic. Whoa! This past weekend was the IndyCar, uh, second to last race of the season at Portland, and it ended with Alex Palou capturing the victory, winning the title a race early in true Matt Kenseth fashion, <laughs> going back to 2003, at least in NASCAR. Uh, obviously, it was an exciting race, and Alex Palou had a phenomenal season for for chip ganassi racing and with all the drama this past year with uh you know, and last year too he might have gone to mclaren now we've announced that he's not going to mclaren because he was not going to get the formula one ride that zach brown promised him and now it's looking like he might stay at chip ganassi for next year it's a winning combination two titles already for the young driver it was an exciting race what are your thoughts on just the second to last race of the season and alex pelot's run so far this year and just the race itself
1: you know, Alex Pillow was dominant last last week in Portland. Scott Dixon and Felix Rosenquist were up there, too. But for the majority of the second half of the race, it was Pelot And jumping ahead to Laguna Seca next week, considering he led almost every lap last year at Laguna Seca... I'm I'm predicting safe pick <laughs> the same level of dominance this year as well. So I I don't think the run we've seen from Alex Pelot is
0: going to shift next week e- either. I think it is. Uh, I think it's a good pick. Uh, he had a phenomenal year over uh, really everyone in any car. He's just so dang consistent. And you know Penske tried to get to him, wasn't able to get there. And uh, teammate Scott Dixon, even in his old age, was able to make a late season push to try and shore up that gap. Still, just not able to get there. Pelo's just so consistent. Just kills everybody with consistency, and that I mean, it's just a winning combination at Chip Ganassi Racing with him and uh, everybody on that number ten team. You know, I think that'll be interesting to see if they stay together for next year because, I mean, rides are going up pretty quick. Uh, Andretti Global, which is not Andretti Autosport anymore, it has announced a name change uh, just a few days ago. And Andretti Global is uh, looking at probably Grosjean leaving in the offseason and then potentially bringing in the best name in all of motorsports, Stingray Rob. Uh, Rumor, Hot rumor is, and this is reported, so this is uh, $9 million in funding behind him. I mean, I don't know if, obviously Stingray Rob has had a miserable season in the 51 for Rick Ware and Dale Coyne uh, on his rookie campaign. And performance has not been there, but if you're Andretti, I mean, you already had Devlin D. Francesco. I don't know if you can turn down that kind of a payday. $9 million being brought in is a lot for IndyCar that's a lot of NASCAR too so uh, Stingray Rob bringing a lot of money it'll be interesting to see if there's any changes there and congrats to Palo on the title so we'll go on to the next topic Obviously, Kansas coming up this weekend for the NASCAR Cup Series and Xfinity Series. It will be the regular season finale for the Xfinity Series and for the Cup Series. It'll be race number two in the round of 16. So what are you both expecting from Kansas this weekend on the Xfinity side and the Cup side? Dale, we're going to start with you.
2: I expect Bubba Wallace to do well. He won this race last year, and he's in need of a good run. Um i expect him to be up front there i expect toyota overall to do well Um, uh, it just kansas is a toyota track has been for a while um i expect them to you know to come out of their hole because christopher bell did not finish well at darlington mm-hmm. you know we talked about Truex, and and then there's ty gibbs but anyway um <laughs> chris busher will probably be up there that's probably a safe pick mm-hmm. um you know, as far as Xfinity goes, um, I have it earth-shattering event if it were to happen. If Brandon Jones wins, he's outside of the playoffs.
0: And he would make it.
2: And he would make it. He would make it. If he were to win, and he has won twice at Kansas in 2019 and 2020, he would knock out both Herbst and Kligerman. Kligerman on the outside looking in. That would be interesting
0: (laughs) to (laughs) see Sean what are your thoughts Uh, on the cup side of
1: things uh, Bubba Wallace was another driver that I looked at this coming week for Kansas and expect him to do well I don't expect him to repeat at Kansas as he won last year but I think he'll be up front out of any of the drivers in the lower half of the bracket that have a chance to punch their ticket with a win Maybe Christopher Bell. He was third last year in Kansas, eighth in 2021, 10th in 2020. And he had a pretty solid stage one in Darlington as well. So I think he'll be up front. I don't know about a win, but I think he'll be up front as well. And on the Xfinity side of things, I think Cole Custer will be up front. He's been in the top 10 the last four races. So I think that's a pretty safe bet for someone to be up front
0: out of anyone in the Xfinity series. Kligerman is going to be driving like a madman at Kansas this weekend in the Xfinity Series, and that 48 car is going to be one to watch because he's going to do everything he possibly can, especially after an unfortunate punt last weekend from off the bumper of Sam Mayer late in the Xfinity race at Darlington and uh, could have potentially sent his hopes up in smoke, but he's the one look on the outside looking in, and it'll be interesting to see if Kligerman will be uh, in with a win. He will certainly be one to watch. And then on the cup side, Kansas is a Toyota track. I'd be shocked if another Toyota, I'd be shocked if anybody else but a Toyota one, but it'll be interesting to see if it'll be a 2311 weekend or if it'll be a Joe Gibbs weekend at Kansas. I know the 2311 cars, obviously Bubba is going to be hunting for a win because he's right near that playoff cutoff. He was the 16th guy getting in. He really needs that win to get into the next round and he's going to need uh, a big day at Kansas. I could see it happening again for the second straight uh, fall weekend in a row for Kansas. So we're going to head on to really a lightning round here at the end. Denny Hamlin signed his extension this week uh, with Joe Gibbs Racing multi-year, whether that's two years, three years, five years. It wasn't specified. I'd probably say about two years in his uh, ripe old age of, what, 42. So, and he also has a team to run. And 2311, his team re-upped with Toyota. We mentioned last week that this was uh, real close to not happening, and this was almost a, a, a headache of a of a situation reminiscent of the Kyle Busch conundrum last year, where Kyle Busch was not re-signed and they lost Kyle Busch Motorsports. But TRD shored up the gap, and then finally Denny Hamlin's going to be back. Twenty three eleven will be will be back with Toyota. Just your guys' immediate thoughts on that?
1: I I know that there were a lot of rumors that twenty uh, that twenty three eleven were going to move to Ford in, in this next year. So much for those, but really the most uh, the question that i i've thought of the most out of this is how long denny hamlin is going to stay racing full-time in cup he is 42 years old as you mentioned but he's he's still running consistently up front he's a healthy 42 uh, at that but maybe he'll just run out the last this last bit of his contract with joe gibbs and then retire there maybe re-up for another two years out of anything those are probably the two options that i would presume but it's going to be interesting to see in these next coming years how how long hamlin pushes it full time and cup
2: with hamlin signing it certainly puts the rumors to rest of 2311 going to ford um i would be interested to know what the offer was from ford and if toyota got into a bidding war with them which we will never know
0: but Um, no well i mean uh, we'll yeah, never know. Uh, uh, you know, just at least not for the next five years. Fourteen million dollars. No, we're just dropping that in there. I don't can really overguess. I, I, I don't know where that came from, but I'm just you know fourteen million dollars. just you know, the same. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, uh, it's uh, it was a hefty offer. Okay, presumably. Well. We don't know anything But that's okay I think it's a great move Hamlin needed to stay with Toyota He needs to close out things there With Joe Gibbs Racing I think it's only fitting And uh, good for 2311 to stay with Toyota. It needs that consistency to switch to Ford, especially after Ford having a bit of a down year, at least in the beginning. As of late, it's kind of heated up a little bit, but I think it would have been remiss to switch manufacturers and go through an entire new stretch of rebuilding relationships with a new manufacturer. I think it's great for everybody involved, and Toyota gets to keep Arguably, maybe it's team for the future, so uh, we'll have to see. A couple of attaboys here at the end. Uh, Carson Kvapel making his truck debut for Spire at Bristol. That'll be really interesting to see. He's been so dominant in the Cars Tour the last couple years, and it's going to be really fun to finally see him in the big leagues up in uh, NASCAR. Again, he'll be making his truck series debut in the Spire 7 truck at Bristol, so Uh, That'll be very interesting to watch. And then Ryan Priest raced this week. Oh my goodness. If you don't. If you didn't happen to catch what Ryan Priest looked like this past week, he looked like Chancellor Palpatine with his eyes. My <laughs> goodness, they were black. All the blood vessels had burst. He had two black eyes. It was, uh, if you're a longtime fan, if it brings back memories of Davey Allison after his horrific flip uh, in 92. Uh, 92 at Pocono. At Pocono and peeled off the glasses and showed the media and it was a horrifying sight and it was no different for Ryan Priest this weekend but yet he raced didn't exactly have a great race but you know still raced which is unbelievable after the wreck at Daytona
2: which he should have and this is my you know PR talking but he should have done it in the media center the same way Allison did where he said you You know, you could see it, but it's ugly, and took off the sunglasses. That's the way it should have been done, not in front of his hauler, (laughs) a little bit upset about it.
1: It's also reminiscent to me of uh, him racing this week. First of all, the fact that he finished in 28th with how messed up his eyes were is astounding, but it also reminds me of when Ricky Rudd, back years ago, too, had to tape his eyes open to, uh, to continue racing, just with how... Uh, small his eyes ended up being with how uh, all the blood vessels bursted around him
0: you know they they say they come to snuff the rooster but you know what it didn't happen he ain't gonna die he ain't gonna die Ricky Rod the Iron Man so with that we're gonna close out tonight's show Sean Dale as always thank you for being on it's always great to be on thanks for having me all right with that we will close out the show again thanks for tuning in tonight for speed zone we'll be back next weekend again wednesday night at six thirty per usual again i'm ben cower dale garrett sean kelly on the show saying thank you plenty of racing action upcoming this weekend whether it's right here in west virginia at ona speedway or on television please go out watch some racing have some fun and have a great weekend You've been listening to another sports presentation on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network.